0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Today's Focus for Tuesday, March the 21st, 2023, at 12.18 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, well... Before I tell you what today's focus is, before we actually talk about what today's focus is, let me say this. Let me take just a few minutes to remind you we have a lot of things going on here at the Theology Central podcast. We do. We Obviously, we have the Today's Focus podcast series. We have the Bible study exercise podcast series. And then we always have other series that are going on. We have the long gospel series that is going on. Uh, we, we, there's always so much happening. And sometimes I feel like that I, especially here for today's focus, I may throw out an idea, spark some conversation, hopefully get you thinking and focusing on something. And then I have to make a decision. Do we continue to focus on that here on today's focus? Or do I set that aside I may start a new series on that at some point, but go ahead and continue to do what I try to do here for today's Focus podcast series, which is give you one thing to focus on for that specific day. Sometimes I give you something to focus on for the entire weekend. You know, we did a little bit of work in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. I gave people some homework, gave people some assignments. Hopefully you're working on that. For the Bible study exercise, I gave people some homework and assignments on the seven signs in the gospel of John and the seven I am statements in the gospel of John. I've received a couple of emails where people really dug in, really done some hard work. And I really, really appreciate that. So I, sometimes I, I think, wow, I, I probably need to be more focused and try to maybe limit how many things we're doing at one time. But I don't know. I don't know. You, you probably can email me and say, no, you, you, There's too many things going on. Nobody can keep up with all of it. You need to limit it. You need to stay focused on one or two things. And and you're probably right. I just don't know how to always do that. Well, also, we have the first John thing going on, which could possibly turn into a series. So if you think about it right now, we have the Ezekiel 40 through 48 thing going on. We have the Gospel of John, where we're looking at individual chapters. Then that's turned into seven signs and the seven I am statements. We have that going on. Ezekiel, I mean, just if you just think of all the things that are happening right now, that's a lot of things to work on. So i i probably I probably need to get better. I, I'm going to try to as we're about to finish uh, baptism in the early church. We're looking at Hippolytus, the apostolic tradition. Once we fin- once once we finish that at Victory Baptist Church, then I may start using Sunday night or Wednesday night maybe we do a little work on Ezekiel 40 through 48. I think we'll use Sunday morning to do some work in John, maybe the seven signs, seven IM statements. I don't know. Sunday school will keep working on law and gospel. I, I don't know. There's just so much. And I you you can, I, I would love to get your thoughts. I'd love to get your feedback. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. You may be one to think, you know what, you just have too much going on. I can't, I can't participate in all of that. So you either need to limit the number of episodes you're doing or increase the number of episodes you're doing, but just make that increased number of episodes focused on one or two things and not get so, you know, I, I don't want to use the word distracted because I don't feel like we're distracted. Maybe you could say you just need to be more focused, right? You can do more episodes but have those episodes focused on one or two things instead of doing, you know, five or four or 10 or episodes on multiple things. I don't know. I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. I, I'd love to get your thoughts. Please email me, newsif at yahoo.com. But for today's focus, we're going to set aside all of those things we've been talking about, and we're going to focus on A very important concept. Are you ready? I'm going to ask this as a question, right? Thinking caps on. Your today's focus for Tuesday, March the 21st, 2023, is this question. Is it time to quit quiet time? Is it time to quit quiet time? Now, I don't know about your experience as a Christian, but I think it was almost like the word go as a as a new believer that I was like, you need to, I, I heard over and over and over, you need a daily quiet time, you need a daily quiet time, you need a daily quiet time. Some told me that I need a daily quiet time. First thing in the morning. I needed to wake up early so I could start my day focused on the things of God. Others said it doesn't matter what time. Others said, well, you need a quiet time in the morning, you need a quiet time at lunch, and you need a quiet time in the evening, and you need a quiet time right before you go to bed, because you need to make sure that the entire day is dedicated to God. I heard I heard every suggestion, every method. I read book after book after book. I I tried to develop quiet time concepts and and strategies, I had notebooks for quiet time, this, quiet time, that. I mean, I, I basically was told, look, your Christian life is going to be absolute trash. You're going to fall into horrible sin. You're going to, you're not going to grow. You're, you're, you're just, you're going to destroy your Christian life unless you have a daily quiet time. If you have a daily cu- daily quiet time, dun dun, 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 dun then, you know, I, I guess I would get magical powers and never sin again. I, okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but that's how it felt. But is it time, 2023, after looking at all the years of quiet time, quiet time, quiet time, is it time to quit quiet time? That's the question put forth by an article published on March the 13th, 2023. Here is the title of the article. Is it time to quit quiet time? And right underneath that title, they wrote this, effective Biblical engagement must be about more than one's personal experience with Scripture. Effective biblical engagement. Now, let's stop right there. That word biblical engagement, biblical engagement, that's kind of become a buzzword, right? That's now how many of the Bible apps determine I guess how you're using the app. They just refer to it as Bible engagement. We don't really know what that exactly means. It means you you clicked on the Bible app and you opened it up. Ooh, you engaged scripture today. Did you? You opened it up. That doesn't mean you really looked at it. It doesn't mean you really read it. It just means you opened it up. So this Bible engagement to me seems more of an app analytics than does than it has any actual meaningful... Context. I, I, I hope that makes sense. But the term biblical engagement has become a very, 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 very modern day term. But this is what they say. Effective biblical engagement. Now, I do like the fact they add the word effective to it. Because biblical engagement is very vague. It, it may be almost meaningless. But to say effective biblical engagement means, okay, whatever this biblical engagement is, for it to be truly effective it has to be about more than your own personal experience with scripture now i wonder how many christians view their time with scripture as their own personal experience with it now what do they mean it has to be it has to be about more than that i i wonder do you think it's a negative thing for a Christian to look at their daily time with God's word as their own personal experience with scripture? Is there, a, is, there, is there a negative to that? Well, let's see what the article does, and maybe we'll talk about that more coming up. But here we go. The disconnect crystallized 12 years ago. So this for this person, they begin to realize something was wrong 12 years ago. So I want you to think about where you were 12 years ago, what you were doing in church, what your church was doing, how you were thinking as a Christian. But they're, they, they believe 12 years ago, they begin to realize there was a serious problem. Now, I think the problem he's about to articulate has been going on longer than 12 years, because I feel like I've been talking about it for well over 20 years. But here we go. The disconnect crystallized 12 years ago when I started teaching an introductory Old Testament class to freshmen. Every semester, devout Christian students who report to me that they read their Bibles every single day, they could even recite key verses from memory, they were fluent in Christian theological cliches. Yet, despite their supposed constant engagement with the Bible, they were shocked by what we found in Genesis such as there being some things God appears not to know, Genesis 11.5, 18.21, 12, not to mention judges. Now, let's stop right here. This has been talked about over 20 years, over 20 years, well over 20 years. I have been talking about this because there had been study after study that came out that, that Professors and Bible colleges or seminaries would get all of these new students, these freshman students, who grew up in the church, went to youth group, they talked about reading the Bible, going to church, and, and but yet as soon as they started engaging in actual learning in a Bible college, Bible institute, seminary setting, they didn't have a clue. They were like, whoa, wait, that's in the Bible. Wait, what, what, what happened? Wait, wait, there's textual variants? Wait, what? Wait, what? What what does that mean? Wait, what? And all of a sudden, professors are like, what were you guys doing all of those years in the church? Now, of course, most of them were just having pizza parties and doing typical youth group stuff, which leads people theologically and biblically illiterate. But I digress. I won't go there. But many of these kids, many of these young people would claim, I read my Bible every day. I read it every day but you would like you read your bible every day but you're clueless like in many cases they couldn't even put things in chronological order they didn't know does Paul come before Moses does I? like i mean you think like it was shocking some of the studies that were happening 20 years ago he says 12 years ago he witnessed it for himself all of a sudden these kids who say i read my bible they even have scriptures memorized they know theological clichés they're like wait a minute Why does the scripture seem to say that God doesn't know these things? And what is happening in the book of Judges? The article continues. I began to realize that their poor grasp of scripture wasn't necessarily due to a lack of reading. Now, according to this individual, what he says is, it wasn't because they weren't reading, they were reading scripture. Now, I've got to say this. The fact that they have such a poor grasp on Scripture, we won't even get into where they're going. They're going to talk about quiet time and how people read scriptures. But isn't this an indictment on the, the usefulness of the church? I mean, this has been going on for twenty years. People show up at Bible college, seminary. They've been going to church their whole life, and they're clueless. What's the use of the church? The church, I. I keep, and I know this has become a constant, kind of a re- reoccurring theme here on the Today's Focus podcast series and maybe some of the other podcasts, but I keep asking the question why the local church? Because over and over and over, we have people who go to church and they're clueless. They don't know theology, they don't know doctrine, they don't know their Bible. What is the point of spending all of that money for the building, for the staff, for the upkeep, for all the activities? What's the, what, if when you walk away, I guess, oh, you got some friends. I, 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 it seems like church is just really a place for people to get friends and relationships because clearly they're not getting theological, biblical knowledge. Now he doesn't put the blame at the church. He puts the, he, and he doesn't even put the blame on the lack of reading, but he does go on. The author goes on to say, although. That's also a large problem in the United States. So there is a large problem in the United States developing with a lack of biblical reading. It says from 2021 to 2022, Bible engagement scored on frequency of use, spiritual impact, and moral impact in day-to-day life fell 21% among American adult Bible users. It was the American Bible Society's largest recorded one-year drop in its annual state of the Bible study. And almost, are you ready for this? One in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. One in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. That's one in five churchgoers they never read. They just never read. They may show up to church, but they never read their Bible. Okay, so clearly that's a problem. Getting Christians to actually read their Bible, actually study their Bible, is becoming a bigger and bigger, bigger problem. And and I know this from my own. Look, I do the Bible study exercise podcast series. What is the goal of that series? To get you off the couch and to actually study the Bible. It's the It's the absolutely le- the least popular series that I have ever done. no I, I, look I can I can turn on the microphone and talk, I could talk about Trump right now possibly being indicted. I would probably get a couple of thousand downloads. I can turn on the microphone right now and talk about, hey, let's study John chapter eight or whatever we're studying in John i I, I may get a hundred. it's the way it works nobody wants to actually be wait and i and i'll get emails look i don't want to i don't want to listen to a podcast that's forcing me to do the study i need you to tell me what it means and i'm like you're missing the entire point of the entire podcast it's trying to get you involved but clearly we have a problem and i'm going to put uh, so they, they acknowledge that there's a problem when you're teaching the Bible at a Bible college or a seminary or, or anywhere. These kids who grew up in church, these kids who've gone to church their whole life, they don't know anything. They're, they're, they're biblically illiterate. What's the problem? Well, they don't blame the church. I'm going to put the blame first and foremost at the, the foot, at the doorstep of the church. Secondly, I'm going to say we have a second problem is that Christians are not reading and studying their Bible. That's been a problem for 20 years. Now, there may be a third problem that they're going to indicate. First problem is the church. Second problem is Christians won't read their Bible. They do acknowledge that. Now, listen here. But for my students, many of whom read the Bible daily and have chosen to attend a Christian college, their poor grasp on an application of scripture seems to be due to the way they engage with it. In a way, many American Christians have been reading the Bible for decades through daily devotions or quiet time. They're going to put the blame, not at the doorstep of the church, not on the fact that people aren't reading. They're going to put the blame on the fact of how the Christians who do read, how they're reading. So you've got one in five who don't even read it. And then the ones who read it they read it in a daily devotional way that they say is the problem. In this daily devotional way we'll call it a quiet time. And they're saying it's it's detrimental. Now I I have I have I have also spoken against this for basically 20 years telling Christians you got to do more than a daily devotional. That's not study. I, I let me I'll, I'll I'll go through my standard spill here, right? I'll get on my soapbox. Christians Reading the Bible is not studying the Bible. It's great that you read, but you need to engage in study. Christians, doing a daily devotional, doing a quiet time, that's wonderful, but it's not Bible study. Listening to sermons, great and wonderful, but that's not Bible study. At some point in your Christian life, you need to develop a consistent, systematic study of scripture on, a, on and you need to do so on a, obviously on a regular and consistent basis. Where you're actually engaging in. That's the whole reason the Bible study exercise podcast series exists. Because I'm trying to get people to actually study. That's why we pay the money for the curriculum. That's because I'm trying to do everything I can to say, here, dig in. Dig. That's why I give you homework, assignments. That's why we spend money sending reference tools to people who need them. Here's what they say. The way daily quiet time is typically practiced today is unlikely to yield the fluency required to understand and apply biblical teaching. Only when devotional time is situated within a matrix of scripture study habits can it regain its power to transform our thinking and communities. Now, let me state it here. How can daily quiet time work? Let me give you an example, right? Over the last week or so, maybe two or three weeks, I've been trying to engage with Charles Haddon Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional. Why? I don't know how I even stumbled upon it. I think I was looking at different apps and then I'm like, oh, there's a lot of apps for Spurgeon's devotional. Some of the apps I didn't like because you had to pay money to get rid of ads and I didn't like their structure. But on the YouVersion Bible app, I realized, oh, they have a reading plan utilizing Spurgeon's classic devotional morning and evening. Now. I've always had kind of a love-hate with Morning and Evening by Charles Hazen Spurgeon because he just, in many cases, takes like a phrase from Scripture, writes a devotion. You don't really get to dig into the Scripture. But let me just give you an example from what showed up today. All right, let me gonna go back. All right, for today, it's 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. I'm going to go to 2 Peter 3.18. I could read it right on the app, but I'll just read it from the actual Bible. Second Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen or amen, depending on where you're from. The second passage is Genesis 42, 8. Genesis 42, 8. Genesis 42, 8 reads, and Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. Now, obviously the second Peter three eighteen that's for the morning devotional and the Genesis 42, 8, that's for the evening devotional. Now, immediately you can see a problem, right? They just, Spurgeon just gives you one verse. In many cases, he just borrows a phrase and then he just runs off with the phrase. You don't get any context. You don't get anything, right? You just get his devotional. So let me give you an example. Let me go to the devotional for this morning. Okay. Morning. It says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what he says. Grow in grace, not in one grace only, but in all grace. Grow in that root grace, faith. Believe the promises more firmly than you have done. Let faith increase in fullness, constancy, simplicity. Grow also in love, Ask that your love may become extended, more intense, more practical. If, I mean, he goes on and on and on. But I, I have no idea the context of Peter's statement. I have no idea of exactly how to understand it. I don't know exactly what it means to grow in grace. Like there's a million questions that you should have. The devotional just basically, it just like, here's the text. And the next thing you know, you're focusing on the devotional. Now, I love devotionals for now. This is how you can use it. All right. Let's look at this passage in Peter. Now, forget what Spurgeon has to say. Let me figure out the context here. Okay, how do we understand grow? Grow, how do we understand grace? How do I grow in grace? How do I grow in knowledge? Like, I can can start doing some work. But the first thing, and the most important thing here would be to go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Go back to it. Just to give you an example, 2 Peter chapter 3. and realize that uh, verse or that verse 18 is found in chapter 3 which has 18 total verses. Now I could go back to verse 15 for some kind of context, but here's what I could do. I could like, you know what? Today I'm going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and I'm going to look at the whole chapter and then I'm going to see how this whole chapter leads to this he concludes the whole epistle with, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm going to do a little. So like I can use the devotional. And if I use the devotional in the context of actual study, it's wonderful. It's a great benefit. I can even look at what Spurgeon said at a later time almost as a commentary and see if I, if it makes sense or if I feel like he's left the context completely. See, if I use it within that context, then I don't need to quit my daily quiet time. What I need to do is to realize the daily quiet time. This is the way I think of it. The daily quiet time gives me the preview. Like, Okay, here's what we're going to focus on today. And then I'm like, thank you, daily quiet time. Thank you, devotional. This is what I'm going to focus on. And then over the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, then I'll be thinking about that expanding it having conversations about it hopefully if you've got good Christians you can talk to about it and then maybe 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 do some maybe do a chapter summary method on second peter chapter 3 maybe look at the context maybe do some some study some you know some word studies who knows just start working on it and working on it and then maybe throughout the day maybe then find a random sermon on second peter 3:18 who knows and then you can just throughout the day work on it maybe for the next week But most people don't do that. They'll read the scripture and read the devotional and move on. Well, you get no actual understanding of the text. You get no context. In many cases, you hear Christians start talking about verses, and you immediately realize you're not dealing with someone who actually studies the Bible. You're you're listening to someone who studies what other people say about the Bible. They don't even know how to engage the text. Now, again, I put the blame at the doorstep of the church. That's where I put it because the church should challenge people not to do that. But this is what they go on to say. How could my students be reading the Bible so much, yet have so little understanding, Uh, pay almost no attention to its focus on the new heavens and the new earth, and be confused over concepts like salvation and evil? Christianity Today previously discussed the LifeWay research statistics that reveal this trend of biblical illiteracy among the wider population, Their daily devotion to Scripture seems to distance them from understanding key parts of it. That is a frightening statement. Someone's daily devotion to Scripture actually seems to distance themselves from understanding key parts of it. In other words, the more devoted someone is to, the more someone is focused or committed to daily devotion... The results of daily devotion seems to distance the person from their understanding the key parts of Scripture. So you could, uh, you could, we could basically say this daily devotion seems to lead people further away from understanding Scripture. In other words, daily devotions seem to be actually counterproductive to understanding. Daily devotion, devotion to daily devotion seems to actually hinder your ability to understand scripture. That is absolutely insane to me to even think about how that could happen. Like you, you're like, where are the Christians in the church who do daily devotions? Okay, I don't want to talk to you because you have no clue what's going on. Who never does a daily devotion? Okay, good. I need to talk to you because you probably understand scripture better. That's insane to even think about. When I pastored the church in the early 2000s, this is not me, this is back to the article, these theological concepts were considered basic matters that my 80-year-old parishioners, some with uh, with only high school diplomas, seemed to understand and de- deeply and apply to their lives and ministries. Like my students, these Christians from the greatest generation also practiced short devotional readings every day. However, thanks to various forms of study over time, They often understood the context of the passage they were meditating on, what came before and after it. They might have read one small passage every day, but they did so to integrate it into the wider understanding of Scripture, gleaned from more robust engagement outside of daily reading. But my students, who do not practice more robust forms of traditional Bible engagement, such as in, in inductive Bible study, yearly Bible reading plans, the lectionary, etc., have few tools to help situate, or to situate a daily meditation on a verse, such as, what then shall we say in response to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Such micro-dosing of Scripture without a grasp of the whole can easily distort our interpretations. Time-tested traditions of long-form scripture engagement expose us to and familiarize us with contents of scripture. When my freshmen described their daily quiet time, I began to understand some of the disconnect. They lacked extended communal readings of scripture where it was safe to integrate the text and puzzle over its meaning. For them, scripture reading was an individual responsibility with a necessary outcome. God showing the reader something from the passage that is immediately relevant to his or her life. Oh, there's a major problem. Many read the Bible to see what is God going to show me that is relevant to my life? It's not about your life. It's never been about your life. It's reading the text to know what it means by what it says, not whether you're irrelevant at the beginning of the process. You're you're irrelevant at the beginning, in the middle, you may only become somewhat relevant at the end when you do try to figure out how I apply this truth, but you don't apply the truth at the expense of understanding what it means. Maybe the problem with, with Bible Christians today is a narcissism where we think the whole Bible revolves around us. I think, I, think, I think there's a, a, a problem there. Um, for them, scripture reading was an individual's responsibility with a necessary outcome, God showing the reader something from the passage that is immediately relevant to his or her life. Many were playing Bible roulette every morning, letting the scriptures open to any page and asking God to show them what they should learn from the verse. Some of them would read just one verse a day. Others read a passage or maybe a chapter. Even when this practice superficially resembles, even when this practice superficially resembles their grandmothers or great-grandfathers' daily habit, its effects can be entirely different. Most of my students, even the ones who had some sort of church or institutional Bible tra- training, were caught off guard by basic questions that I was asking about the Bible in their hands, without context and more understanding. Their thin study of scripture only compounded their ignorance and misunderstanding over time. Now, the script, this article is long. This article is way long. So we don't have time to read all of this, all right? Again, you should look it up. Is it time to quit quiet time it's at christianitytoday.com please today go read the whole thing please go read the whole thing i thought it was i thought it was a short article it's long so i it would it would take us probably another hour to work through it all but here is the thing i want you to consider all right the, and and we, so we can all identify the problem the problem is easy easy to identify christians are biblically and theologically illiterate don't even get me started on how much how little they know about church history they're biblically and theologically illiterate. Many Christians have a hard time of taking something they believe about the scriptures and taking to its logical conclusion. They will end up in a completely illogical conclusion, can't even recognize it, won't even admit it. It's just a, it's crazy. And this article seems to indicate that the problem is, well, let me, let me, let's, let's before we do that, let's do this. So everyone knows what the problem is. The problem is Christians are biblically and theologically illiterate everyone seems to understand that right that's been talked about for 20 years i believe the cause of this is number 1 i think the cause is the church if you're going to church and you're that illiterate i don't know what you're doing in church i don't know what's happening when those sermons are preached i don't know what's supposedly happening remember small groups were supposed to fix this small group remember small groups was the was the solution See, if everyone could be a part of a small group, they would know their Bible. They would know doctrine. It's, it's, I'm told, I'm telling you, the small group thing has it's been proven over and over and over. It's an absolute failure. It's, it's an absolute embarrassment. I'm so sick of hearing how small groups fix everything when every study comes out and shows it doesn't fix anything. Right? So the church, the corporate church has demonstrated over and over and over and over again that it just keeps turning out people that are biblically and philologically illiterate. But the church continues to bring in billions of dollars each year to, to build buildings, to build little mini kingdoms. All that money goes there. And what are the people actually getting for it other than some friends and a, comu- a quote-unquote a community experience so that you can be around other people, which I guess meets some deep psychological need to be around other people. And, and I hate to be so mean, but I mean, how many studies do we need to see that shows the church at large is it's a useless institution? So the problem is biblical literacy. People don't get it. They don't understand it. They, they can't seem to comprehend how to interpret scripture. The church is is at fault. Second, it's a major problem that Christians have just basically stopped reading their Bibles. One out of five Churchgoers say they never read their Bible. One out of five. Like, I, I, (laughs) how do you process that fact? They probably know everything about their political party that they love, but they, they don't know anything about the actual Bible, which is, again, the political hijacking of the church. The the third problem, so the first so the first cause, we should say, is the church. Second cause is no one's reading their Bible. And the third cause is those who are reading the Bible are reading it in this very narcissistic, very incomplete way. This daily devotional, open it up, read a scripture. God, what show me what you want me to know. Well, obviously, God isn't showing anyone anything because everyone is biblically illiterate. Nobody agrees on anything. So we we, we got to stop with this crazy approach to scripture. We've got to get people actually reading it in a meaningful way and actually engaging in study. And if you're going to use a quiet time, daily devotional approach, that is only the preview. That's only telling you what you're going to focus on throughout the day. We've got to fix this. We've got a serious problem. Now, the article may go on and indicate other problems. It may. In fact, I'm going to look quickly at just the next paragraph. Um, Let's see here. It says, uh, this phenomenon of reading without understanding is becoming more widely apparent. The Center for Hebraic Thought, the Organization Uh, so this organization hosted a conference on biblical literacy in October, 2021, gathering leaders, specializing in Bible engagement and education. Nearly two dozen organizations were represented, including the American Bible Society, the gospel coalition, the council for Christian colleges and universities, museum of the Bible, as well as as seminary faculty, YouTubers, software designers, and Bible curriculum experts. When I told them the stories about my devout students who misunderstood scripture, uh, everyone agreed they had seen the exact same phenomenon in their own spheres and were equally concerned by the apparent uh, 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 inefficiency of many Christians' devotional reading habits, if I can read correctly, and how ineffective many Christians' devotional reading habits have become. Yeah, they're completely ineffective. My students were not Bible literate. They don't really know the stories, characters, ideas, and themes in the Bible, much less how the literature itself fits together and argues for a particular view of the world. And as Christians, we must aim beyond, aim beyond biblical literacy. We hope to know and practice the thinking and instruction of Scripture fluently, extending its wisdom into all the areas of life that it doesn't directly address. So, uh, once all of these people got together they were like there's something there's an uh, there's there's something ineffective in the way christians are reading their bible now again nobody wants to blame the church in this that's what uh, that's what drives me crazy so all these people get together and they're like yeah there's a problem there's a problem people don't get it people are illiterate something's wrong but nobody wants to blame the church no one wants to blame and you know what drives me crazy what always happens is the solution to the problem Won't be the local church. It'll be a parachurch ministry that will rise up going, we're here to help churches equip their people. No, why do you need a a parachurch ministry to try to fix the problem that the church won't fix? For 20 years, the church has been told what is happening. And for 20 years, the church doesn't care. You know what the church cares about? How many people are sitting in that pew and how much money is coming in? How many people are in the pew and how much money is coming in. Small groups has traditionally been a way to get people who won't come to the church to participate so that ultimately they will come into the church and they'll go from someone from in the outside to someone on the inside to someone who's giving money. It's never been about Bible literacy. The whole, the whole church structure is just about getting the people in the pew so they will give money so we can continue to support this whole Machine, you got to keep the you got to keep the machine running. But so they don't want to blame the church. But they're going to come up with solutions. I guarantee you, all of these many of those groups that were meeting were parachurch ministries. The church has failed. The average Christian won't actually even read or, or engage Scripture in a meaningful way. And the third, those who do read, read in an ineffective way. It's inefficient, ineffective. It, it, it's 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 literally the 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 way many people engage scripture is leading them away from an understanding of scripture, and that is crazy to think someone could be like, I do daily devotions every day, and then at first you want to say great, and then you start talking to them and you're like, well, I see the problem. You're doing daily devotions every day. We have to retrain people how to do daily devotions, but who's going to do it? All right, uh, we're gonna. We, we may come back to this. Uh, we may come back to this article at some point. I'm sorry, I read that last part so fast, but uh, there's. Uh, I've already at 42 minutes. I'm only supposed to go 15 minutes. Remember, everyone. But I, I really want you to think about it. Where Where do you see the problem? Where Well, like. We know what. Let me make sure I help you understand. We know what the problem is: biblical literacy, lack of understanding, can't handle the scriptures in a meaningful way. What is the cause? Where do you see? I see the cause: the church, Christians not actually. Not only they don't want to read it, Christian. Even even if you got one in five who won't read it, you've got probably four out of five who won't study it in any meaningful way at all. Right. You got some who read but they won't even bother to ever try to study. They will they won't do anything. You can't get them to do anything. And then I got the daily devotional thing maybe the What do you think is the biggest problem? The church itself just because you, we could talk about the reasons the church gets it so wrong. Christians who just won't do anything. And then maybe and then this weird daily quiet time approach that has obviously been very detrimental. So, the question is, what is happening in the church, and is it time to quit quiet time? That is your Today's Focus for Tuesday, March the 21st, 2023.